Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Hello and welcome to this week's Countryside Programme with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. And, well, I've been finding out the latest news from the Queen's Pier in Ramsey, the, the restoration trust that's took over uh, the redevelopment of the pier or renovation of the pier. And it was great to catch up with Captain Stuart McKenzie, an enthusiastic fellow who's uh, there and trying to get people rallied on to to get help and to, to help fund it as well because it's a, a mighty project but it's great the work uh, Mikhail Tramantana has done in the past and the team you know from the Queen's Pier um, all them years ago to try and keep this interest in it and now it's actually work they're, they're working on it it must be an absolute privilege to be involved in it as well because it looks so beautiful all those years gone by and it's such a shame for it just to be there in such an old state but now the excitement of it being developed oh it must be brilliant yeah we'll be hearing about that also uh, i chat to finn creer who was last year's chairman of the Isle of Man federation young farmers and also rob watterson who is the current chairman which was voted in at the agm a couple of weeks ago so we find out uh, how uh, Finn thought of his role uh, in his year, uh, how it went and uh, what he thought of and also uh, the year ahead of course because Rob was vice chairman last year so we'll find out uh, what his um, well expectations I suppose uh, are going to be for the forthcoming year. It's hard to keep a movement like that right up to date, a lot of work and effort goes into it, it's, it's nearly a full time job really planning and and making new events to keep it exciting. So, yeah, good luck to those guys. Yeah, and uh, you've been going down memory lane. I certainly have. I caught up with Bob Cooley to hear all the stories of growing up as a boy in Santon, uh, on the farm, uh, taking the provisions down to the boarding houses, how the island has changed, and, of course, uh, he was actively involved in the TT, and just some memories of, of how that's changed as well. Yeah, there we go. So sit back and enjoy all of that in this week's Countryside. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, lots of people of a certain age will remember the Queen's Pier in Ramsey in its prime. Of course, years later, it's gone through that phase, whether it was going to be redeveloped or renovated or not. And of course, the news is that it is. And there's a new restoration trust that's been formed to take over the renovation of the pier. I caught up with Captain Stuart McKenzie to find out the latest on it. We've been uh, working quite hard, lifting off all the planks and the uh, stringers and the beams, etc. So we can get access to the uh, ironwork underneath. Was it? known what was underneath uh, all the wooden planks and everything on the top before you started or was it only really coming apparent when you did remove them? Much and much of a a yes and a no answer. It's a no answer because we spent all last year on a proper survey and it was a full level survey with five engineers and we produced the big report which we uh, submitted to the DOI and then they approved it and we got the lease in due course. But in a sense, no, because we thought that the wood would be in a better condition when we took it off and we could reuse a lot of it. In fact, we can only use, uh, reuse a little bit of it because the um, corrosion and corruption of the rotting of the wood, unfortunately, is greater than we thought it was going to be. I mean, it is a thing that you know has been talked about for many years. The Friends of the Queen's Pier fought long and hard for years, and uh, it's been taken over by yourselves here, the, the Queen's Pier Restoration Trust. 
it's been a, a lot of years of hard work and now you're actually in there. I've been out for a look at it with you. <laughs> yes, the point is we're doing something yeah. and this is what everybody says is, yes, there's about a lot of talking been going on, but nobody, particularly the government, has not done anything. And of course, they've been, you know, it's hard to get funds for something like this and it's hard for us to get funds to do the restoration. But you've got to accept that once something actually is seen to be happening, then you do get a great level of support. At least the, the support definitely increases. I've been out to the edge of it for Luke with you, and you were telling about the steel. Uh, some of it looks in pretty bad state. You've told me about the wood, but I mean, there's a lot of steel out there. Uh, it's not all bad, is it? I'm afraid that uh, most of it above the waterline is. The legs are in good condition. It's a tribute to the Victorian engineers how they've been put into the underlying clay that they're still much in line as uh, they were when they were originally put in. It's terrific. Is that that would be a surprise to many people because you think the stuff in the salt water would be the worst off? Yes, that's right. But of course, you see, they, they, they're not subject to the air and the water. If it's underneath the water, then of course it's just the water that's concerned. And um, certainly it seems to have survived very well. But above the water, the actual girder work, which is supporting the deck, that's not in good condition. Some of it's terrible. There are some that you could reuse, but quite frankly, if you're going to mix uh, steel and iron, you tend to get into another protection problems. What about the length of it? I mean, the, the end of it is gone. It went out and then turned to the left as we're looking from the road here. I mean, the length of it? Well, yes, that was the, the birthing head you're talking about, and they took that away because it was uh, dangerous. The total length is 2,160 feet. And then, of course, there was the south berthing, which was the original for the uh, steam packet vessels. Then they extended it by doing, as you say, the curve to the left. That was the main berthing head. But all those were taken away, part of which were blown up. I've got video of them blowing part of it up, which is amazing. Mm. <laughs> well, work's underway. You've got the, the top layer of this near bit away. I mean... How will it go section at a time as you're going out? Yes, we look at this as a bay at a time. Each bay is 40 feet long. That's the distance between the legs, you see. And we can treat each bay as a separate task. The first bay is by far the hardest because A, it's 40 foot wide, not 20 foot wide. And it's also got its girders stuck underneath the promenade. So they've got to be dug out of the promenade before you can actually replace them. So bay number one is it's very hard. Once you get on past that to bay two and three, which is what the original lease is for, we up out to the new security gate, then we'll find that bays two and three should be much easier to do. Apart from anything else, we've learned how to do it. We've learned how you lift the stringers, how you do this. The fact that the clout nails, which went in in 1886 are still there and they are a devil to get out but they can be done. Now you said about the the first few sections up to the security gate there but there's still a long way to go after that. Is that still in the pipeline to refurbish? Oh yeah, yes. I mean it's still in the pipeline but quite clearly and I think understandably the government through the DOI in negotiating the lease said to us, demonstrate to us that you can do this and you can do it properly, and you can get it signed off by a structural engineer. And then 
we will extend the lease for 20 years. Apparently, you can't have it for more than 20 years without an act of Tynwald. Did you know that? No. No, neither did I. <laughs> well, the thing is, we can't do anything about that. But, of course, it's... Um, so when is the time scale for the for well, the lease part? Well, the lease part, we've got five-year uh, lease to do the first three, three bays now. It's not going to take us anything like that. We're hoping, in fact, to put the steel in on bay one in the spring next year and followed later on in the year probably by base two and three. So within a couple of years we will have in fact done what we were allowed to do over five years and then we go towards the extension, the option to extend the lease for 20 years if what we've done is acceptable. Well there you are, the latest news from the Queen's Pier Restoration Trust there, Captain Stuart McKenzie, and uh, it really enthusiastic news especially for me as a northerner because going to the grammar school it was and part and parcel of it walking down there and walking to the end meeting my friends fishing there and the little cafe there you know it's a it was a it was a beautiful beautiful view of ramsey when you were at the end of it as well my goodness me that must have been absolutely beautiful and i've only ever seen photographs so it would be great if they could get it somewhere near how it used to be but what a brilliant development they're going on so far yeah and they're doing a great job so uh, if you can please uh, go along and help and support the team there well, a couple of weeks back, it was the annual general meeting of the Federation of Young Farmers here on the Isle of Man. It's the time where last year's vice chairman takes over the chairman's role. Well, I got a chance to speak to the new chairman, Rob Watterson, and also the former chairman, Finlow Creer, to get their views on how the year ahead will go for Rob and how the year went for Finlow. It went quick to start and tailed off maybe a little bit slow and the events slowed down a bit, but yeah, good year. Yeah. How does it? You know, when you when you're vice chairman for a year before you do it. I mean, how does it compare when you're actually in the seat? Quite a lot different, really, because we had a change in secretary and sort of the whole of our. We sort of changed young farmers up a bit as well, sort of thing. When yeah. I was vice, it wasn't. I was sort of just being a person, not like actively sort of in it. But this year, like with Rob being my vice, we've tried to work together quite a lot. I suppose, you know, people talk about the console. This is one of the things that there's so many different events and they don't just, not all of them are quite involved around the concert or judging cattle, is it? No, no, we do plenty. Like, we've put on um, free events for the under, the kids this year sort of thing, activities. It seems to be like them sort of things and sports seem to be easier to get people to turn up and people seem to enjoy them, so we're happy to put them on. Yeah, and that's, I suppose, one of the things that you have achieved during the year is getting the young farmers' um, message over that it's a, it's a group for young people uh, to do activities other than sitting playing with computers. Yeah, times have changed. There's not as many like active farming young farmers anymore, so we've got to cater for everyone and try and keep the young farmers' movement going sort of thing. The ones, even the ones that are coming in that aren't really from a farmer background, are they learning as they're going along? I certainly think so. Like, there's lots of people that will turn up to a stock judge and that may be from a town, just maybe even just for a social, but they seem to try and get stuck in and sort of see what it's about. I think they, some of them like to call themselves young farmers and get their wellies on. And, of course, the the sheep shearing and things like that, there's always something for them. And I suppose the ones that have come in don't really realise what's involved. You know, they just think, yeah, cut the wool off it and 
That's the end, throw it in a bin. But it's not, it's a big in, process. No, it seems to be quite a novelty to some of them. They seem to enjoy it and see, l- l- like to see how it's done and stuff. And because Rob Watterson, you took over the role now uh, as the chairman of the Federation. Uh, you've had a year working with it, but probably many years' experience with the young farmers anyway before this. Yeah, done. It's come up to about 12 years. Started when I was 10. Gone right through and done chairman roles for Southern. Worked up and came into being role for Federation now, so it's, it's went well. It's uh, got a lot from it. Yeah, I suppose you, when you're involved in chairman of your own club, you've got that responsibility and you know to try and keep everything and I suppose keeping the peace and keeping everything running smoothly is one of the <laughs> difficult jobs dealing with a load of young farmers. Yeah, it's trying to keep the arguments at bay between <laughs> each each other, but it's good. It's it was definitely a good experience to do at a club level first because it gave you the idea of how to work like well trying to organize everybody to then bring it into a federation where you can you're not just looking after one club but in a way you're looking after all four very different roles though aren't they yeah uh, oh like, definitely club role can be a lot more half involved than you're sitting a bit different when you're at federation sort of thing you know, when you first get to that sort of role as chairman for the first time maybe in your life as, as at all you know part of an organization that trepidation would be always there wouldn't it because you want to do a good job with it and i suppose now coming into chairmans of the fed you come in with a lot more confidence that you if you, if you were just voted in you know without doing anything else i suppose yeah you've got like a kind of a basis to work from knowing what what's expected of a chairman already just to be there for everybody with any problems you you've got that ability to sort out a problem pretty quickly and you know the people to go to to help for it do they give you a a folder with a with a big plastic <laughs> sheet on saying never say this or never do that i don't think there's any of that at all. No. No, no. <laughs> trial and error yeah, well, it's, a, it's a hope for the best and hope you get it right first time and word of mouth i suppose as well isn't it but you know it's coming up to to Christmas now, and what what would be the what's the first thing on your agenda, Rob? Right now we've just got there's not a lot on. We've just had the fat stock show that's been the it's normally the Christmas one. Then we've got well all the clubs have got their own little Christmas carol events or whatever else. We got the well we got uh, we take part in a mixed netball tournament. The NSC with the girls get all the got get a few of the guys to get involved with. The so guys have to wear the skirts this time. Well, <laughs> only if they want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, well, why change the habit of a lifetime? They, they love doing the concerts. Well, that's it. <laughs> if you if you offer a skirt to a guy, for some reason everybody jumps at it. <laughs> but so we got that, and then after Christmas we got Boxing Day rugby game, the charity event up against. Vans. And then obviously coming into the concert. Yeah, then. really that manic quick. times. Yeah, yeah. There's some clubs might have already started. Picking yeah. up ideas, I think. Well, I know for themselves, some we've already been having meetings about the concert already. It's oh, it's you want that fast. crown back though, eh? Uh, <laughs> but I mean, Finn, you've done you did a year. Uh, looking back on it now, what what was the highlights for you for from the year? Obviously, the concerts. It's a good one. It's very stressful at the time, but afterwards, it's nice. Like look back on it with good memories. Um, the show was quite a good thing as well and it's just um getting to meet different people and stuff and through yeah. being the young farmers chairman like we we've been lucky we got invited like to the mayor's chamber and stuff like that so yeah and i suppose that's one of the things when you take on the role you don't really think of that but then of course they're, they're bringing young farmers guest speakers from all parts of the world uh all ranging in different aspects of of agriculture or the countryside isn't it yeah well we had a, a group of young farmers came over this year from lancashire 
they came over for the Royal Show when it was uh, 50 young farmers all over. And it made a great time uh, to be able to showcase what we've got on Ireland. And also to hear about then, what they, they do yeah, as well and yeah. get different ideas off them to bring into the Federation. They were amazed about, when they came over, how such a small island can be so vast and different in such a small place. And then talking to them about how they are like in, in their area and it's just completely different. It's just such a small thing that we've got here, but it's massive in, a, in a, another aspect. I thought they'd all have uh, wonderful, big, vast green fields, but apparently some of them were in rushes and bogs and all sorts. <laughs> yeah. So it's not too dissimilar from some places here. You've got it to come now, Rob, yeah. so we're looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hoping it's going to be a good one. I've got a great team with us all this year. Just kind of expanding what Finland's already started with the kind of the change up that happened and try and make more of it really with all the different events we can do and maybe trying to get more guest speakers over to the island is a big thing that we're going to push for this year so on all sorts of things from different like aspects of farming in england to even just health and safety on farms big big push this year what can I do so? The current chairman of the Isle of Man Young Farmers Federation, Rob Watterson, and also Finn Creer, who was the chairman last year. Well, looking forward to it, Rob and Finn enjoying this year in the end. Uh, you know, you, some of the people involved in it, you think, oh, they're quite shy and retiring underneath, aren't they? But say a year doing chairman of your own club. Uh, it sort of bodes you well for, for the whole federation. Absolutely. It's such a big undertaking to lead such an organisation as the Young Farmers Movement. It's a huge amount of people involved in it. It's such a great organisation to get involved in the, with the charity work, the social events, all the sporting activities, and that broad spectrum of, of age as well. It can really develop skills, you know, for everyday life as yeah, well. Yeah, it is, and uh, great. The, the, they're asking and, and trying out new things that the, the Young Farmers Federation can take part in, which is great, and still got that great liaison with other uh, federations around, uh, around Europe, really. Yeah. That's right. You can travel so much with the Young Farmers. And like you say, you don't have to be a farmer to be involved now. There's there's so many different aspects to young farmers. It's just fantastic. Yeah, you can be a clerk or a kermud. <laughs> Definitely. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. It's always nice to look back on memories here on the Isle of Man. And I caught up with a gentleman that used to live in Santon, Bob Cooley, to find out what it was like growing up as a boy on a farm. Growing up on Knockfroy Farm where we lived, it's basically, you had to help on the farm. You'd done that from when you were little, really. Gathering the eggs, feeding the hens and feeding calves. Then at Santon School, of course, it was during the war, so we got... Ten days off school each term to help on the farm. Plus, in the summertime, you got a day off to pick blackberries for Russian Abbey. Wow. We made jam then at Russian Abbey. And, uh, but I was kept off sometimes more than the ten days because, well, planting potatoes and that, everything was done by hand. And, and the turnips and thin and turnips, your thing grew, crawled through the ridges on you hands and knees like thinning the turnips down to single turnip wow. and that there was no such thing as uh, modern machinery and and did you enjoy it because doing that kind of work was was pretty hard on you as a little fella yeah well it, yeah you enjoyed it you think you just grew up with it and it was something to do 
thing we had any amount of our friends came down to play in that at Knockroy. Thing was a chappy called Bobby Gall and his sister Muriel. That uh, well, they were a little bit older than me. So when I started school, thing I mean, I already knew them. So you got on well with them. And did you enjoy your school days? Was it good schooling? Yes, and school was fine. You know, the main thing they thing you had to do mental arithmetic because there was no such thing as calculators and them sort of things. And it was you know add things up and it was just a basic schooling. Basically, one of the things that she was on was how to survive because our school teacher had the thing that we were this war was going to go on for years and those lads would be sent out to fight when we were. 16 because people were getting called up then at 18 and she was telling me how to survive. So you'd enjoy getting home to the farm at the after school and at the weekends and this is what you continued to do as a young fella leaving? Oh I at the weekends like I learned to drive a tractor when I was seven. Father got the tractor when I was eight but it was supposed to come in the springtime and unfortunately it ended up at the bottom of the sea. Oh no! So Roy Gallen, thing who was alongside of us, his father was farming in Knockalockin alongside us, and father must have asked to see could they come with the tractor to plough a field. And so Roy was ploughing the field, and of course I was only a younger fellow than he was, and uh, he got me driving the tractor in the thing, and he was taken over to turn at the headlands, and that's so I soon learned how to put it in that gear. And that was the first time I drove a tractor. And would you keep livestock as well? Because obviously potatoes were, were one of your main crops. Yeah, we had cows. Like what father had, what about, he had lots of pigs, about 200 pigs he kept. A piggery with 200 pigs. But unfortunately we had a, we had a bad disaster with the pigs one year. It would be about 43, I should think, when they took, two or three of them started to die and they all started looking poorly. And they had some sort of, I don't know, swine fever or something like that, they called it. And they all had to be destroyed. That would have been a, a big, big hit for a farm in them days. And that. And of course, during the war, the aliens came out to work. There was always two aliens, as we called them. Italian fellas that was interned in Douglas. And there was two came out. Father used to have to collect them. There was two came out to work on our farm. Two went up to Claude Collister's, which was joining us one side, and I can't remember whether any went to, down to Roy Gallen's father's or not. But uh, they worked for us, and Mother got into trouble with them because she was supposed to feed them separate from anybody else working on the farm, and she fed them all together. And from time to time, there'd be a guard come out, and he complained about it. And I always remember her giving him his dinner with, on the plate and telling him to get out and eat it with the pigs. No. So that was... <laughs> That was the end that of that. that. You know, but she said if they were good enough to work with them, they were good enough to feed with them. Because to us, they were only people that had been in the wrong place at the wrong time when the war started, you know. Well, Mother kept in touch with them for a long time after the war ended, down in London or somewhere. They were running a restaurant, as far as I know, eventually. Because they used to make toys for us children. You know, the guard was a bit of a nuisance because he'd sit in the house and keep under mother's feet. You had also the outlet of the boarding houses in, in years later doing the rounds there. Yeah, well, after the war, during the war, the swill was got from the camps down at... Uh, one at Ballasalla and one in Castletown where there was training and things, fleet air arm training or something like that. And used to get the swill from there, father did. But after the war... 
he was getting it from Balakameen High School, I remember, and different boarding houses in Douglas. And he had a good potato round, putting potatoes and different vegetables in. And he would be left home every morning about eight o'clock with the wagon loaded up with this. And, of course, if all the fixing up hadn't been done on the farm, me and mother would do all that, because mum used to milk lots of cows for them. They were all milked by hand. We had about six cows, Hi. and they were all milked by hand and fed to the calves, give to the calves. We never had a... I don't think he ever sold milk. But that round, though, Bobby, that would be essential to the income on the farm yeah. to invest in the tractors yeah. and machinery. Yeah, yeah because, uh, you know, he got the tractors when I was eight. Well, I was driving that from the age of eight right on, like doing different things. I could do ploughing. And that, before that, I'd been working with the horses. I was working with horses from when I was about five or six. But those changes alone, Bobby, going from the horses pulling them along to using the tractor power, you would have seen a massive difference then as a, as a young person. Oh, it was a lot easier with the tractor. But I think I thought thing. You couldn't talk to it, no. <laughs> because you were talking to the horse. Like, we had one horse there, it was one thing called Tom. And, like, Tom and me were basically grew up together. Best friends. Best friends. Oh. You know, the thing, we'd be out in the thing that the stable on a night in the winter with just a hurricane lamp, because we had no electric on the farm until I was 18. There's no inside toilet until, I don't know when. Oh, <laughs> and... Uh, we, yeah, with the horses. I remember once at school, and I hadn't been, been off school anyway, and a fellow that was truant catcher, whatever you would call him, came down. <laughs> and I seen him coming into the field with father and, and thing, and eventually he came down and started to talk to me. And I was doing what we called grubbing taties, potatoes. He said, who taught you to do this? What are you doing? I told him what I was doing. You had to get as close as possible to get the weed out, but not shake the plants. And who taught him? I said, oh, Father, I suppose. I've seen Father do it, and now I'm doing it. It seems Father said to him, if you can do what the young fellow's doing down there, I'll send him to school tomorrow. But if you think you can't do it, well, he'd make me home again tomorrow. <laughs> and you living at Knockfroy, you see the development with the Mount Murray estate and now the new equestrian centre at Bolivarton. Oh, I... Well, in 1947, we were sent home from school because it was snowing, and... Thing. We didn't get back to school for about a month because we were snowed in. Knockfroy Lane was about, what, approximately, what, a mile long, and it's only a narrow farm track. And it'd be snowed up, but nobody bothered because no. Mother made bread. She, we had milk and she made butter. We had to turn the churn to make butter every week, right from when we were little. And so nobody bothered. But the best of it was, the children could find their way down to Knockfroyd and we'd all go tobogganing and enjoying ourselves. <laughs> but nobody bothered about school. That was Bob Keeley talking about his fonder memories as a young fella grown up in Santon. Yes, yeah, nice to hear, you know, the, them things, how they were uh, in the in the years gone by, What the, how they struggled on, really. And it was the case of they couldn't down tools and walk away like some of the people would today. They just... <laughs> got on with it and that was it wasn't it they were committed at 110 percent but it was nice to hear the stories from when the the horses died out and the tractors and the machinery came on board it was some fascinating stories yeah it's funny when the some of the people who you know the stories i heard when people 
got tractors, you know, for the first time, you know, the, them wonderful stories of your little labels in them, you know, because they had engines that you had to, you know, take your time with to start with, you know, to, to bed the engines in, you know, so not like modern days where they're all bench ran in and things like that. I always remember this story about the, the, the engine blew up on the tractor and they asked what, what had happened, you know, and they, he said, did you follow the instructions? Oh, I said they were on the front of the tractor. Uh, running slowly so I went all the way full revs and bottom gear to do the oats <laughs> so, well, I'm old, sure it didn't it? last then no. <laughs> Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual well no pier in Santon for Bob to take the provisions to the place as was there but stuff used to come in on the Queen's Pier and Ramsey the, the Manx boats used to stop at the end of it as well Good People golly. used to get off it and they used to tie up on the little pier at the end. The little train used to run down the middle. Oh, I believe back. it was absolutely beautiful. Mm. But wouldn't it be great to see the, the ships arriving again, maybe? Who you may knows? not see that yet. We seeing all that work and then one of the big ships pulling out. I suppose they were little, smaller ships in them days, weren't they? And great to hear Bob with his memories there of, uh, you know, what, how times were like. You know, they just got on with it. They really did. And all the modern technology that's come about now, the the internet, we were talking about how it brings the world so much closer and he might just get onto Facebook one day. Yeah, they'd be thinking, some of the farmers probably still, what about the internet? Oh, I don't know, is it a tractor like the International? <laughs> you wouldn't know what they're thinking about that, would you? And uh, Finn Creer and Rob Watterson there, the former and current chairman of the Isle of Man Federation Young Farmers. It's... Uh, you know, they, I love the way they take it as that privilege that they get voted in for that thing because they're, they're not getting a halfpenny for it. This is mm. right. It's all done off, the, off their own accord, all voluntary, and they just love it. And it's that passion that shows through and, and develops the events throughout the mm. year. And good luck to them. It is indeed. All right, we'll leave it there for this week's Countryside. We're back next week with more. So from me, Simon Clark. And me, Kerry Kermit. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Don't sit in the slow lane. Join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all-new Superfast Plus broadband. Enjoy more bandwidth, amazing speeds and the best value on the island from just £23.95 per month. So don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high-speed action with Superfast Plus broadband from Shaw. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click shaw.com. Love being Shaw. Terms and conditions apply.